You've tuned in to TV You Grew Up With, where we interview the people who created the greatest TV shows ever made. Here's your host, Jim Harold. Welcome to TV You Grew Up With. I'm Jim Harold, and so glad to be with you once again. I just love to talk with actors and actresses from iconic TV series throughout history, and we certainly have a person like that from a series like that. And I'm talking about Judy Norton. Of course, for many years, she played Mary Ellen on The Waltons, that iconic 1970s show. I know it was a big favorite in my house. I was a little kid. My mom, God rest her soul, would never miss an episode. She absolutely loved that program. So we're so glad that Judy had a little bit of time to spend with us. Judy Norton, welcome to the program tonight. Thank you. So I I, I always like to ask this, how did you get your start in acting? Uh, uh, well, I started young. I was a child actor. Uh, started off uh, doing, you know, just commercials and theater and musical reviews and things like that when I was, I don't know, probably six or so. Uh, you know, had to dance classes and then, um, you know, got an acting coach. And uh, so started off just, you know, working my way up from there. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me how many different things people branch out to. You're an actress, a singer, a writer and director, and we're going to talk all about that. But I do want to talk a little bit, of course, about the, the Waltons. How did you find your way into that job? Uh, because that really was a remarkable series. Thank you. It was quite something. Um, I, I went in on uh, just a regular audition for The Homecoming, which was the Christmas TV special, and, um, you know, went through the process, two or three different sessions, and uh, ultimately was fortunate to uh, fit the bill. And, um, you know, we went, we shot four weeks in in L.A., and then we spent a week up in Jacksonville, Wyoming, shooting all of our interior no sequences. And um, it's been that final week uh, in my opening when we started that the producers were thinking about turning it into a series. And sure enough, about five, six months later, we were in production for the series. Now, was uh, am I correct that Patricia Neal, was she in that original one as opposed to Michael Lerner? Yeah, she was um, our original and uh, Andrew Duggan played the father, and Edgar Bergen was our grandfather. And those were, the, um, in terms of the immediate family, those were the three roles that, uh, for whatever reason, were recast when we did the series. Well, I mean, those were great actors that did that before, but I can't imagine other yeah. people in the roles, you know, people like Will Gear <laughs> and Ralph Waite and Michael yeah. Lerner. Yeah. And, and the list goes on and on, so uh, really... Um, in terms of the series, did any of you, when the series did happen, uh, and I just had Bruce, uh, Bruce White's on recently and spoke with him, did you have a sense that it was going, I mean, you're very young at the time, but did you guys have a sense this was going to be something that was going to be long-lasting, or did you say, hey, we're just going to take a shot at this and, and see how it goes? Was there a sense that this is something that might stick around a while? I don't know that I had any concept. Um, at the time, I mean, we thought it was a good show. We thought it should stick around, but um, I don't even know that I had a real sense of ratings, except that uh, I know we started off uh, in the bottom of the basement, and uh, I don't recall being too 
concerned about that at the time, and I, I know our producers really went out and fought for it and, and worked on a whole grassroots campaign through, you know, the heartland of America and, and took out ads, newspapers, you know, just asking people to watch the show and support it, and, um, and it, it gradually started building, and people did find the show and, and liked what it had to say, and by the end, towards the end of the, series, the season, we were, I think, top 10, and we stayed there for years. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that our producers believed in it enough, and also that at that point in time, shows had an opportunity to find their audience, and that's, I think, much tougher for shows today, that um, quite often they only get an initial opportunity to maybe shoot six episodes, and then if it doesn't grab an audience in the first two or three weeks, it can be gone before anybody has a chance to find it. Um, so we were we were fortunate that we were, I think, initially, we were, we were just even shot at least 13, it seems to me we were already set for 26 seasons. So shows really, you know, had a chance. If, if they were going to survive, they had time to for people to find them. Why uh, why do you think this show resonated and continues to this day to resonate with people? What was special about the Waltons in your view? Um, I think it's just it's honest. It it talks about aspects of, of life and family and, and values and uh, that I think most people can relate to. The fact that we had three generations of characters, it was sort of something for everyone to relate to. Um, no matter what stage of your life you might be in. Um, and the fact that we were we were a period show already, so we were kind of taking a bit of a, a look back, which I think made, a, made an audience potentially a little more if we touched on things that, uh, you know, perhaps if it were a modern-day show, they might have become dated or it might be too preachy, but the fact that we were sort of taking a nostalgic look at in some ways, um, just a, a simpler time. And I think that that just resonated with people. The characters were, we had wonderful writing. We had, you know, a wonderful cast. And um, you know, even behind the scenes, we had, you know, Oscar-winning or Oscar-nominated, you know, people on the on the crew. And, and um, you know, it was just an amazing group of people who have been brought together to do a TV series. So. You know, that kind of quality, I think, just came together at the right time. And, you know, we made magic. And you know, it's, it's hard to say why, why that happens sometimes, but we were, we were fortunate. Well, a couple of personal notes. One, I want to say my mom, who passed a couple of years ago, absolutely loved the show. She was actually originally from West Virginia. Never miss it and loved the show. And there was a certain little boy who <laughs> was about six or seven years old that had the Biggest crush on Mary Ellen. I'll have you know. No names, please. We won't say who that was. Okay. <laughs> so let me let me ask you this. What was the, the working environment like? I mean, uh, you know, obviously Walton's is very, you know, certainly there were dramatic happenings and tension and things in terms of the storyline, but it was always very positive at the end of the day. I mean, was it 
did that carry over into the working environment? Uh, was it uh, uh, was it a, a happy set? Uh, did you get did everybody get along? I mean, what was it like, or was there little family squabbles just like there would be with any family? Um, a little bit of all of that. I mean, we were we were unusual in that we all really did get along. Um, they are they were my family. They're still my family. Uh, a number of us were just together in in Virginia uh, about a, just over a week ago. We we had a Walton Sands convention back in Virginia, and uh, five of the, the cast were, were there. And you know, and we whenever we have a chance now to get together, it's just like we fall back into our sort of family rhythms, and um, you know, it was like that. I mean, not that not that there weren't squabbles, you know, because we were close enough that that was okay to do, you know, in the way that with your own family members, you might, you might have disagreements, fights, whatever. You might not be, you know, there was times when it's like I wasn't speaking to somebody, but I, it was like they were still my brother or sister, you know, it, it never changed the, the family aspect of it. It was just like, I'm mad at you right now. You're annoying me and I don't want, you know, I'm not interested in spending time with you. But I knew they weren't going anywhere, and I knew I still loved them. You know, so it was that kind of a, a dynamic. And because for most of us, uh, especially the younger cast, it was the first series we done. So I, I don't think we realized that that wasn't normal. That you know, the kids we we all went to lunch together. You know, we thought that was normal. You know? <laughs> and. Um... You know, it, it strikes me, I've heard people say this in other interviews, that maybe they were in something when they were very young and they didn't realize how unique or how special it was. Did you have, especially as you, you grew older and more mature, did you have um, later on kind of uh, a recognition of how special the Waltons was? Yeah, um, I think it's, it became more evident to us later because uh, in some, it's just like what kind of an impact it had had on people just across, you know, across the country, across the world. Um, because we weren't, we didn't come up in a, in a point that's uh, a point in time where we had social media or, or any of that. Or, and so, I mean, I never, I didn't have a lot of the same kind of interaction with, with the public, with the fans on a regular basis because unless I was out doing some sort of personal appearance, I didn't necessarily have a a, a particular connection with them. Like I got a lot of fan mail and people talked about how much they love the show. Um, but I think it was later uh, when I come across people who talked about really difficult times in their lives and how the Waltons helped them that or people I, I've run across any number of people who have gone through difficult illnesses um, either personally or with family members and that you know they talk about you know watching the Walton while they were having their chemo treatments or something like that mm-hmm. and, um, and when people share with you these really personal heartfelt stories about the impact it had on their lives I mean it's very touching and, and I mean we were we appreciated the show while we while we were doing it but you know we we didn't 
taking, it wasn't so precious as the time we were doing it. it. It was more than a job, but at the same time, you know, we'd laugh about things, we'd get silly, we'd make fun of things, we'd get, you know, it, it was, it was, it was more to us than just the stories we were telling because it was our lives as well. So, um, it's a, it's a very interesting position to be in, um, to have lived through it, uh, because we weren't those characters. So things, when I watch the show, things I remember are oftentimes things that are going on behind the scenes, things that no one will ever know or see, you know, or knowing where the missing feeling was or that there wasn't a wall there or, you know, all the, you know, all those kinds of technical aspects. And yet I can sit and watch an episode now and appreciate it. And go, you know, it's really it's a good show, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I have a little both. One of the things in any family that's sad is the, the, the passing of elders. And uh, certainly uh, your group uh, had its share of that. Uh, Will Gear actually, during the, the production of the show. Mm-hmm. And then in more recent years, and I'm sure I'm missing some folks, uh, cast and crew and so forth, but the two that come to mind are Joe Conley, who played like Gotzi, and of course uh, mm-hmm. Ralph Waite, who, who played uh, uh, your, your dad. Um, yeah. That has to be, uh, and I saw that you you had a little salute uh, to Ralph uh, Wait on your on your website over at JudyNorton.com. That's got to be tough too, uh, you know. Even though I, I'm assuming you weren't in constant contact with these people, it's got to be sad to see those f- folks pass as well. Oh yeah, I mean it. It is. It's, it's it's exactly like losing family members. You know, I mean I spent more time with with those people during those years and I did with my own family. So, and they've been a part of my life, you know, for over 40 years now. So, you know, it's, it is, it's losing family members and it's, it's, you know, it's difficult. One thing that strikes me about you um, from things I've read and I've seen on the net and now talking with you is how well-adjusted you are. And we hear so many sad tales of child actors, people who start out in the business very young and they, for whatever reason, go down the road. Um, why do you think that you turned out so well? Why do you think that it's gone okay for you and you've been on able to go on and continue with your career and, and some of the things we're going to talk about in a, a few minutes here. Um, why do you think it worked out this way for you and, and maybe not that way for some other people we hear about? Um, well, I mean, one of the things that um, I think sometimes happens, which is my opinion, for you know child actors is that you're given a lot of attention at a young age and it can become you can equate your own personal value with too closely with the work. And when the work ends and those fair weather friends go away, or, you know, maybe you're not getting, you know, the, the mail and you're not getting the recognition, you're not getting the request, maybe the jobs aren't coming, that it can be very personal, like they don't like me. Um, you know, they're rejecting me as opposed to, you know, it being separated out from the work. And so I think it can be, um, I think it's, it's very important for someone to be well-grounded and have a really good sense of themselves. And, and for me, I think personally, a lot of that came through my um, studies in, in Dianetics 
um, by O. Ron Hubbard. I I I discovered I found that just about the same time I started doing the series, and and to me the whole aspect of understanding how the mind works and and being able to use that as a foundation in grounding myself just uh, became a real fundamental tool in my life, and this you know has been just a huge part of my um, the success for me. I think in staying grounded and, and keeping the work, the work, and who I am personally, you know, personal. After Wal- the Waltons, what was the plan? I mean, what did you decide to, to do? Uh, because certainly, you know, for most people, uh, a, a series like that uh, is a once-in-a-lifetime. So what was the plan after the Waltons, and, and what was your mindset? <laughs> well, uh you know, my plan was to, um, you know, continue to, you know, pursue a career in the entertainment industry. Um, you know, it's hard to know what that plan is until you're at that point. So I think that the series ended with kind of a, you know, bittersweet. I was sorry to say goodbye to the show because it, you know, it had been the cornerstone of, of my career, my launching point, but I knew that I also needed to go forward and figure out what my life was going to be beyond that. So, um, you know, and it wasn't always an easy, straightforward path, you know, when you're that recognizable, and then, you know, it it opens some doors and it closes others. You do end up with the whole typecasting thing and, you know, people saying, yeah, we know you, we love you, but, you know, we don't want to hire Mary Ellen, you know, right. and you're too recognizable with that show. So, for me, I started, um, I went back to theater. I'd always wanted to do musical theater. So um, I had been studying voice during the series. And so I had an opportunity to start doing some musical theater and, and did that, um, you know, where my name on a marquee was, was valuable um, and would, you know, would help them sell tickets. So that was a good thing. Um, and then, and then, you know, picked up, different, you know, guest spots on shows and things like that. And um, and then and then I ended up getting behind the scenes. I had an opportunity in theater to start um, writing and directing. And I found that sort of a fascinating challenge. And, um, and so I spent eight years with a theater company uh, and did all original shows and, and so spent eight years writing and directing uh, for that company and, and then from there you know that opened other doors with other companies and so that that's sort of where some of the writing and directing started up and I was able to move it from theater into you know some opportunities and film the television as well and um, you know and then the music stuff was moved from just the musical theater into doing some straight concert work and uh, so, you know, it, it was always kind of like looking for where the opportunities might be and being willing to, uh, explore, you know, uh, diversifying, you know, reinventing myself, you know, just kind of looking, looking for creative opportunities because I, I, I hit a point where that became more important to me than chasing, you know, just stardom. I, I found that I the actual satisfaction of the creative challenges was um, more of a priority for me than just 
the recognition. So I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily care if I was behind the scenes and nobody knew that I did it because I could sit in the, you know, in, in the theater and go, wow. I mean, it was kind of like, <laughs> I, there. I remember the first, the first time I saw a show that I wrote and I sat in the audience at night and it was like really nervous and I was like the first time someone laughed and I went, oh my goodness, I wrote that and they're laughing. Oh, wow. <laughs> I got such a kick out of it, you know. But it's got to be gratifying if, it, let's say, you're in a different piece or somebody finds out about your directing or they found out that you wrote something and that, or they see you singing on stage. Um, and then they say, oh, I thought you were just Mary Ellen, but you're so much more. That's got to be gratifying, and I'm sure that's happened to you. Yeah, and it, and it is. You know, like I, like I said, I was just at this um, Walton fan convention thing, and the majority of the, of the Walton fans don't know that I sing, and, and so um, I actually did, uh, you know, I, I, I performed one night at the convention, and that was the first time most of those people had heard me sing or certainly ever seen me perform in person, so, you know, and I did get a lot of that, oh my goodness, I didn't like you sang, or, you know, I didn't know you sang like that, <laughs> you know, that's always kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, I've been singing for, you know, 30 plus years, but you know, it's still kind of funny when people go, Oh, I didn't know you did that, you know. <laughs> I, I had a similar conversation on our second episode with Don Most, who you know and been in a play yeah. with before, because he's very much into singing now. And yeah. um, I, something that occurs to me now, and obviously musical theater you sing for, but to me, there's such a now I'm a bit of a singer, not an actor whatsoever. <laughs> so singing, I understand acting. Uh, I, I know nothing, but um, to me, Acting and singing are very close cousins because, uh, as I mentioned to Don, my feeling is when you have somebody like a great singer, uh, a Whitney Houston, a Frank Sinatra, whoever it might be, or or somebody who's lesser known, um, sing a song and sing it well. It's almost like a three or four minute uh, acting piece. They're they're becoming that character. Yeah, I think uh, absolutely, and I think that's one of the reasons why I gravitated to. Broadway music, you know, the Great American Songbook, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, commercially, more commercially pop current music. Um, I mean, there there are some, you know, there is some music today that I do think tells a story, but there's a lot of it that, to me, doesn't tell a story. It's more it's more about, you know, maybe the music or the, the rhythms or dance music right. or something else that doesn't necessarily speak to me in the same way. So I, I'm always drawn to songs that tell stories because, you know, I think that's sort of where I started. So although I, you know, I also like to sing, if there's, if, if there's no story, then I think it's boring. You know, I think it's boring to do, sure. you know, I, I'm not, I don't know how to perform something that's just about the music because I'm not as much a musician, you know, so I don't necessarily just appreciate, you know, holding a rhythm or, you know, maintaining a beat or, you know, something like that or right. some interesting, you know, challenge within the chording or whatever that, that's not my area of expertise. Another thing that I want to talk about is writing and this idea of creating a world, because it's one thing to be an actor 
in a world that somebody else creates, uh, Earl Hamner or whoever that might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. it's another to create the world. Can you talk about being a writer and creating the world within a particular play? Um, yeah, it's, uh, uh, that's always been an interesting one. Um, I think my, the first time I sort of explored that was actually during the Walton. Um, at one point during the series, I had an idea for an episode and I don't think I completed the script, but I wrote it. I wrote a good part of it just because I saw something that I thought could be like a sequel, you know? Sure. It's like, you know, characters were introduced, and I went, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to see where these characters went next? Um, And sometimes I'd watch a movie, and I'd have the same sense of, oh, I want to see, you know, I didn't like this ending. You know, I want to see where they go from here, because it it left me hanging, you know, which was a good thing, you know, and, and left the audience kind of, having to make up their own next piece of the story. And so, uh, but in terms of really doing it um, professionally, I, I sort of fell into that. I was I was um, in a situation where um, my former husband was, um, he was directing a show for a theater company and he called me at one point and he said that their current artistic team was leaving to start their own company and the producer did not have their next show was supposed to be uh, like a country Western show and they didn't have a show, you know, and it was going to go into rehearsals in eight to 10 weeks. And so he said, do you want to pitch something to them? to the producer, I went, well, okay. So I kind of, you know, jotted down some ideas and kind of wrote a first act and sent it off and he pitched it to the producer and the producer said, you know, yeah, I'll take it. So he was like, okay, you better finish that script. Um, (laughs) And that's kind of how it happened. And then he and I put together a proposal to this company to basically work as a team to do their writing and directing and our proposal was accepted. And so I did that for eight years. And um, so that was kind of where the the writing and the directing really kind of started. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but yeah, so it, it's sort of all kinds of things can, can spark me in terms of, of an idea. You know, it might be a song. I'm, I'm very influenced by music, so a song might be then have a whole concept for a film or, you know, just odds and ends of ideas that I see. You know, and sometimes it's the whole story and sometimes it's just a concept. You know, it's like, well, there's a scene, but, you know, there's no movie there or whatever. Um, so it, it is, you know, and to me then it's the characters. Who are these people and what happens to them, and, you know, and, and what's the journey and, you know, and, um, you know, and I think each writer probably has their own sort of little way in which they create all of that and, you know, and their sort of template that they go by and what, you know, people write in different ways. You know, I've written with partners, I've written by myself, I've, you know, um, I've had to fit formulas, you know, uh, I've had, for another producer, he, you know, he, the first time I wrote for him, he was kind of like, oh, I want to do a play with big band music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was kind of like, okay. <laughs> you know, that's as much, and then I'm like, all right, well, um, how many characters? 
was like, I don't know, whatever it was, like eight. I'm like, okay, big band music, eight characters. How many men, how many women? You know, it's like, oh, let's see, we got five men and three women. I'm like, okay, good. So that was my starting point. You know, so a lot of times I've had to sort of write within a formula, which even if you do like a TV series or something like that, same sort of thing, you write within the genre of the piece, you write with the voices of those characters, you have to live within certain boundaries. And so, um, you know, you can still be incredibly creative, but I have, I always have to have something that inspires me, no matter how, um, how minor, you know, I have to find an angle on it that I get excited about, um, writing that story, telling that story. And until I can find that, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm kind of lost. I'm like, okay, well, this is boring, you know? <laughs> and, then I, and then I keep searching until I find that thing that compels me to, you know, to tell that story. You know, the the first thing I was struck by while I was doing a little research uh, for this is you're busy. <laughs> you're really busy. It seems like you're doing a million and one things. So can you share with folks the, the things that are like your hot button projects right now that are on your front burner that you'd like to share with people? Um, well, thing is when you, you know, kind of when you're in a lot of different areas, it's sort of like things move forward at different speeds, you know, so that's why a lot of times I seem to have a number of projects because they'll get to a certain point and then I'm waiting on something. So I'm not good at sitting around waiting. So in the meantime, I will either pick up another project or resurrect one and move it forward. So, um, you know, and some of them are out of my control in terms of the weight, like the film that I wrote, Finding Harmony. Um, it, it's completed. Uh, the producer's working on the distribution for it. So nothing else I can do about that at this point. But, you know, it's the first film that I wrote that was produced and it's sitting out there, you know, waiting for its opportunity to be seen. Um, I have a TV series I'm, I'm working with. We did the first season a couple of years ago and we're trying to put together the second season. And um, so I've been doing some writing on that. I'm also like, um, besides acting in it, um, the producer brought me on board to help with some of the writing and I directed a number of episodes in the first season. The show called Bluff, that's actually, season one's available on DVD. So, you know, I think through like Amazon, things like that, if you go and you look for Bluff, the TV series, um, and you look for me, you'll know you've got the right thing. <laughs> so you can see season one. And we're working on season two. So, but that one, we're looking for financing. So, you know, I'm not really a finance person. So it's like, uh, okay. So, you know, when the financing comes together, you know, we'll do season two. <laughs> um, and uh, I have a web, little web series. It's been sort of a pet project with, um, with a partner. It was her creative idea about the world of organizing called the disorganized zone and mm. kind of a spoof of the twilight zone about the organizing world. She, <laughs> my partner, Cindy, is a, is a, she's a professional organizer. So she had run across various different things in her line of work and thought, you know, it was humorous and had this concept. And at one point we we're sitting around talking. And I was like, I got a little bit of time. Let's do some episodes. <laughs> And isn't so that such a neat thing yeah. that you can decide to do a series <laughs> and you have a distribution channel through the internet? Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting thing. But, was, you know, it's one of those that I wanted to see, I wanted to explore some other aspects of behind the scenes. And so I wanted to do it on a scale where I could learn and I could experiment, you know, without, you know, putting, you know, someone else's money at Jeopardy. You know, it's like, right. oh, let me try some things. Let me play here. And where can um, people find so that, that? You know, 
Where can people find that series? Well, that one, it, uh, we are still finishing up the editing on that. So hopefully soon um, we will have it up, uh, you know, on the internet someplace, whether it's YouTube or, um, you know, uh, my partner Cindy, I think, has a channel for, for it. But, you know, if we get something that has broader um, visibility, then we'll, we'll go that way. But I'm, uh, we're sort of finishing up the sound and music editing on it. So hoping within two to three months that that'll be out. And I will definitely post that on my Facebook page, on my website when, you know, when it's out and it's available. There's, I think, oh, there's a Facebook page for the Disorganized Zone. So I'm sure you know, you'll post it and there's information too. So we're just, you know, we're looking for a home for it. And then, you know, hopefully if people like it, you know, we'll, we'll expand and make some more, you know. Very neat. It's a, it's, a, it's a neat era that you can do that kind of thing and have the creative freedom to do it. So, Judy, where do people get in touch in terms if they want to keep up with all these things? I know you have your website, you have your Facebook page. Where can people go on the net to keep up with everything to do with Judy? <laughs> uh, well, the website's a good one. I, I mean, I try. I don't keep that one updated as much as I should. Uh, um, it's judynorton.com. Um, Facebook page, if you look for the Facebook page with Mary Ellen uh, wearing her straw hat at Eichgeist's store, um, that's my public page that I try to keep up, people updated on and, and try to interact as much as possible. Um, I have a Twitter account, which is the Judy Norton. Um, I have just, my name is too common to have got, someone else got there first, so you have to, you have to put a the before the Judy Norton is my my Twitter account and um, you know I, I only have so much time for social media you know it could literally run a person's life oh so, yeah um, no question you know I, I, I try to keep things updated as much as possible but you know I also try and keep the work happening so that there's something to talk about so it's, it's a balancing act a happy a like happy having medium. a family as well you know <laughs> Well, Judy Norton, it has been an absolute absolute delight. You've been been great and uh, really appreciate it. And uh, continued success with all your varied projects. Uh, it was a pleasure to get a little time to spend with you and uh, to share with our audience. Thanks again. My pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for tuning in to TV You Grew Up With. We have yet another episode with yet another great star with more to come. So stay tuned and make sure you subscribe in iTunes. It's free and tell your friends. We'll talk to you next time. Bye bye, everybody, and stay tuned.